Radio Veritas, the Catholic radio station, eight minutes uh, uh, past four in the afternoon, this uh, cool but beautiful afternoon. Welcome to Radio Veritas and to Changing Gear. Archbishop William Slattery with you and delighted to be with you and inviting you to stay with us on your way home or changing gear or doing something at home, preparing for the evening. Uh, Let us share something of our faith together. Uh, so it's, uh, I was away last week. We had a meeting of the board of executive board of the bishops' conference, and uh, I was not able to be here. But I'm delighted to be back with you once again. Uh, also last week uh, on Thursday as well, uh, we said goodbye to Sister Magdalene Green, a Mercy Sister, uh, 88 years of age who has worked, I suppose, the best part of 60 years in South Africa, mainly in education and teaching. A Mercy Sister from Ireland did wonderful work in schools in the city and in Soweto. Also uh, was a tremendous help to Father Stan Brennan and the whole uh, Boxburg Centre for Adult Education, where during the years, the 80s and 90s, right down to modern times, thousands of people, especially those who had got very little education in the earlier years, were able to come for adult education classes. Many of them now are in excellent positions all over the country. Sister Magdalene devoted her tremendous energy, educational experience and ability uh, to that, all done with faith, with um, good humour, with commitment to people. And so may the Lord grant her eternal rest. Um, Again, just one or two things. Last uh, weekend, I had a very, very busy weekend. On Saturday, we had the Catholic men of uh, of uh, Pretoria Archdiocese at the Cathedral for the day's Men's Day of Prayer. Wonderfully organised and a beautiful occasion. After that, I went to uh, the sanctuary outside um, uh, uh, Bronkers, well, outside really, uh, Cullinan, Refilwe, uh, to welcome a new community to our Archdiocese, Kainonia St. John the Baptist. Uh, they will concentrate on a life of prayer, uh, working amongst our people, catechetical work. And after that, later in the evening again, I went to, for my third Mass that day, to the Portuguese church in town, Santa Maria, uh, for confirmation. Um, the singing and the participation uh, was beautiful there. Sunday, I was then in Easterus. And there, I mean, I'm surprised that the roof is still on the church. The excitement and the singing and the participation was wonderful for the confirmation of the parish of Easterus. Uh, this weekend, tomorrow, I go to Francistown in Botswana because it is one of the uh, dioceses now that is part of the Metropolitan of Pretoria. And uh, it was a vicarious until now. That's the first, the final stage of becoming a diocese. And on Saturday, uh, it will be declared uh, at the Diocese of Francistown. So you have two dioceses in Botswana, 
belonging to the SACBC, Jabarone and Francistown, both dioceses. Francistown, uh, geographically, is a huge diocese. Uh, the bishop uh, will be the first bishop of the diocese, is the man who has been bishop for many years already there, uh, Father Frank, uh, or Bishop Frank Nabwasa. And uh, some of his uh, parishes are 700, 800 kilometers from Francistown itself. It's all northern Botswana, and it is a very, very spread out area and demands a lot of travel. So uh, on Saturday, the Apostolic Nuncio, Archbishop Peter Wells, will uh, officiate as Francistown becomes a new diocese. And we assure um, Bishop Nabwasa and his people that we will pray for them. Um, also, uh, we pray at this time for all the children, all the young people writing exams. May God give them strength, give them courage. Uh, we certainly uh, uh, delight to do that. Uh, as well, uh, the weekend before, I was delighted to meet all the old boys of St. Paul's. St. Paul's was a minor seminary besides St. Peter's Seminary in Hammond's Crawl, where young men, young boys really, uh, and youth, uh, studied uh, for their matric prior to going to the seminary. The hero there was Father Vincent Hill, happily with us, staying here at Nazareth House in Johannesburg. He is a priest of the Archdiocese of Pretoria now for 62 years. But he was rector there for a number of years in the 1970s. And those old boys, that is those mature men now who are boys in the 1970s there met at St. Camillus for a beautiful celebration with Father Carabo Baloi. Um, so these are some of the things that are happening uh, at the moment. Uh, I would say that I enjoyed very much the uh, men's retreat because the men came uh, for their day of prayer um, on the 11th of November. And, uh, you know, it's so important to have men in our churches. Uh, you men, we really need you. We really want you. And uh, it varies. In some parishes, there's a tremendous number of men. And now we have the Catholic Men's Association in a number of dioceses, certainly in, in, in Pretoria, that do excellent work bringing men to church, praying together, uh, reflecting together on their faith. And so, because a man in a family is the one who gives a name and an identity to the family, we define ourselves, at least we name ourselves by our fathers. Again, a man in a family guarantees security for the wife, for the children, for the homestead. There's a certain security when there's a man there. Also, a man is so important in a family to give a sense of belonging, how proud children are when they have a father whom they look up to and whom they love. And again, the father's role in passing on the faith is uh, is of extreme importance. You know, uh, where surveys have been done, uh, it is found that if the father is a man of deep faith, then it is more likely, believe it or not, that the children will remain faithful to the church and to the faith. Men also in the family, they pass on the wisdom of life. You know, they're able to warn people. They have experience of life. They're able, above all, to speak to their sons, especially when they reach a certain age, point out dangers that sons can easily fall into as young people and guide them. Also, a father who shows joy 
joy and love of his children who participates in their events, uh, builds up a tremendous bond with them and gives them a great self-confidence in life. And this is important also for his daughters, daughters who have a strong father, you know, uh, have a confidence in life that others may not have. A father then who respects the mother of his children, uh, his wife, um, gives a wonderful example, but gives a great uh, sense of peace and confidence in the children and a joy in the home. A father, too, is the one who puts boundaries there. In other words, guides the children. You can do this and you cannot do that. These are acceptable things in society. This is the way we should speak. This is the way we should speak old, uh, with old people. This is the way how we should conduct ourselves when we live at home. There are certain uh, human uh, situations where we must con- uh, carry ourselves in a special way. It's the father who does so much of this. And it's a joy to have spoken to the men. Many of them are indeed in professional jobs all over the, uh, well, all over, uh, certainly Pretoria, but many of them in Gauteng here in Johannesburg as well. Um, uh, also others struggling because of employment or poverty. Uh, others are, you know, finding a new role uh, for men coming out of a traditional society. I was putting before them an example, uh, the, the, the first reading of the Mass on the 11th of November in the Catholic Church came from Romans chapter, uh, chapter 16. Now, Romans chapter 16, uh, I doubt if you have, uh, you know, certainly never on a Sunday read it in church. But during the week, uh, the, the readings come from right through the letters of St. Paul. And so chapter 16 of Romans uh, is really a list where Paul is giving thanks for the people who have accompanied him. He's had to battle. He's been persecuted. Life has been hard for him. But he mentions something like 24 people, 24 names appear in Romans chapter 16. And indeed, we know very little about these names, except that they meant they were friends of Paul. There were people of faith. There were people who strengthened him at difficult times in his life. And I was pointing out to the men, uh, looking at the list of names, something like 18 of them are men and six or seven of them are women's names. All have played a very important role in spreading the faith. But there were two names there that took my attention. Uh, They were the names of Alexander and Rufus. Now, you know, we don't know very much about them, except that it's an interesting fact that uh, uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, they speak about about Alexander and Rufus, uh, and that they were sons of Simon of Cyrene. And you remember that Simon of Cyrene was the man who came on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. At that time, it happened when Jesus was being crucified and he stood in the crowd. Jesus was very weak on his way to Golgotha and a soldier touched him with the flat of his spear, which means that he had to uh, obey the soldier and offer service as required. And so it was Simon of Cyrene, you'll remember, 
who helped Jesus to carry his cross. And he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And I was just pointing out that these men who became great leaders in the church came out of something simple that happened. You know, this man, pilgrim in Jerusalem, helped Jesus to carry the cross, perhaps very uh, unhappy about doing it, but he spent a short time carrying the cross behind Jesus and seemingly he became a great Christian and his sons were to become leaders in the early church. So by uh, carrying the cross, by working for Jesus, you know, this Simon of Cyrene through his sons uh, was to have a big impact on the church. And so men today, you know, um, the part that they play in the church gives confidence to their children and invites them uh, to be to participate. We also spoke about uh, Blessed Benedict Daswa. Uh, we must continue to pray to Benedict Daswa to get the medals, uh, to uh, study his life and to learn for him from him. Because here you have a Christian, a family man, a, a husband, a parent, a teacher, a father, yes, who integrated all these roles in a role of prayer and faith. A man who cared for his children and cared for his school. He was primary school teacher. He was a man who was to become a great witness to his community and was chosen by his chief for very special work. He also was concerned about having sport activities, of offering food to the children at school when they were weak. Here was a man who died because of his beliefs. And so, uh, Catholic men here in South Africa have a wonderful example in Blessed Benedict Daswa. Indeed, the day he died, we remember a number of charitable acts that were a characteristic of him. You know, in the morning early before school, he took from the garden he had cultivated himself uh, vegetables and fruit to the priest to be distributed to the poor. And then he went to school and insisted that the teachers, you know, may, uh, respond to their responsibility and really care for their children. He had eight children himself and he tried with all his efforts to give them a good basic education. Again, he was um, uh, on the same day he brought vegetables, he went to school then a message came in that rural area, there was a child very sick and Benedict um, uh, offered to take that child and his mother to the clinic by his uh, backy and then on the way home he found an old man carrying a heavy bag and he uh, insisted that the old man get into the backy, he brought the old man home and on his way back then to his own finally family home he was uh, marked he was killed. So we have beautiful examples. And uh, so on Saturday, it was wonderful to see the cathedral almost full with Catholic men uh, giving up a time to be with the Lord because Jesus told his own disciples, come aside and pray, especially when they were overburdened. And our men, uh, with all kinds of cares and worries in life, need also to stand back, need also to take a time of prayer, need also to share their faith together. Let us listen now to our first uh, piece of music, which is for the men, Onward Christian Soldiers. You are with Radio Veritas and the programme Changing Gear. Um, on the news now, our, our news waves, are, as it were, are dominated by the situation in Zimbabwe, which has suddenly erupted after many years of rumbling 
and uh, we have the chaotic situation uh, at the moment. But perhaps uh, it is a Kairos. It is the beginning of something new. Uh, we know that the army generals and President Mugabe um, are meeting at the moment to uh, define the future. Uh, a Catholic priest in, uh, in Harare is mediating the two groups. Uh, the uh, church leaders in Zimbabwe have made a statement about the situation, which I think um, uh, illuminates many aspects. And it's a call, really, uh, for something positive to come out of this uh, situation. And they call their statement between crisis and kairos. Certainly, they're having a crisis at the moment, but uh, adequately and properly dealt with, a crisis can become a kairos. A kairos is a special moment of grace where something new is born, as it were. Um, uh, the bishops or the leaders of the churches in Zimbabwe say this is a moment of truth for their country. Uh, things have happened very rapidly in the last few days, yet they say the deterioration has been taking place for a long time. Uh, they quote how Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Uh, he says, you did not recognize your opportunity uh, when it was offered to you, O Jerusalem. And so uh, they bemoan the fact that uh, the crisis that has now arisen is the result of a deteriorization of a situation over many years uh, which was not attended to. Now, however, a crisis, the bishops go on to say, is an, an opportunity to rebuild. They look a little bit at the causes of the crisis, of the problems. Uh, yes, they evidence, evidence themselves in economic and social aspects, but they say they have deeper roots. And the roots of the problem that we have in Zimbabwe at the moment, according to its church leaders, are there is a, lo a loss of trust in political institutions. People have lost trust in politics and politicians. Secondly, they say the Constitution was not taken seriously. You know, people were jumping in and out of positions without taking into consideration the constitutional requirements. Again, uh, they said there was no proper check or balance sometimes in the different arms of the state, the legislative, the judicial, and the ex uh, executive. Again, and this is something we need to think about, there was no clear distinction in Zimbabwe between the ruling party and the government. You know, there was no distinction. They did what they liked. Uh, again, poor were seen as objects of charity and uh, summarized by saying the wheels of democracy got stuck in the mud of personalized politics. Now, so I think that's a, a very powerful statement and it applies in many countries, including our own, that the wheels of democracy got stuck in the mud of personalized politics. And so the result has been stagnation in Zimbabwe, sterility and fatigue. Uh, the bishops then say, who is at fault? Well, they find fault with the government and ruling party, uh, also the opposition parties. Uh, also, the two churches also lost their prophetic stance and have not been critical enough over the years for what was happening up there. Again, they point to civil society, uh, sought personal survival rather than the good of the country at large. And also, the 
put quite a bit of blame on the media and on journalists who have fanned hatred uh, between groups, individuals and political parties. And that now has erupted in what we have at the moment. So what uh, the bishops say, what must we do? Well, of course, we start by praying and discerning where we are in the light of God and bringing God into the situation. They call for peace now and calm, that this whole situation be resolved with peace and with calm. They beg that the fundamental principle, as always, is to respect human dignity. All people, whatever side they belong to, must be treated as human beings. Uh, They call for a transitional government of national unity. That may be evolving uh, even today as we talk, but they have called for that yesterday as a traditional uh, transitional government of national unity. And they also call for a national dialogue um, on the subject uh, what is it the Zimbabwe that we want you know a national dialogue with all groups involved all sectors of the community dialoguing, to, dialoguing and listening to each other in order to come to a consensus on what on the Zimbabwe we want it uh, concludes by saying the role of the church is to heal because there's a lot of tense uh, distress, uh, stress a lot of people down here in South Africa from Zimbabwe are very angry with the way the uh, country has evolved over the years. A lot of healing is necessary. A lot of repentance, getting back to fundamentals of justice and charity. Uh, the role of the church, above all, is reconciliation, helping people to find each other again. Uh, not to have the attitude of winner takes all, but uh, to seek reconciliation and the different parties and groups and individuals finding each other, talking to each other again. And so I just say in conclusion, really, uh, yes, the army has intervened. And now how can this be controlled in the future? Because let us say a new government uh, is elected, for example, uh, then will the new president continually rule the country with a sense that the army is looking over his shoulder and can intervene at any time. So this is the difficulty about when violence arises or when armies intervene in ways that are not according to the Constitution, uh, then how can that be stopped so that it does not become a common custom. So we just pray for Zimbabwe, that wonderful country and its wonderful people, uh, a country that uh, is our neighbor. So many of uh, the people of Zimbabwe are in our churches. They are so welcome. We're so happy to have them. We find them working beside us uh, right through uh, uh, Pretoria. You find so many people from Zimbabwe occupied and involved in, 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 in excellent activities. So we pray for them and pray God that peace will remain there and that people will talk to each other and find a solution that will make this crisis to be a kairos, to be a moment of grace, a moment of restarting. Let us now listen to um, Kin Yomrena. 